0: All right, welcome back, guys. This is episode number six. Today is Wednesday, June 10th, 2020. And so we reached midweek. Another thing that we were going to discuss this week was renovations for multifamily. Been looking at some buildings as of this past week, speaking with tenants. We covered a little bit about that yesterday. And today when I was at another property, We were looking at estimates for what we're looking at as far as overhauling some of our properties. And we saw that a building from today that we looked at in particular was pretty much in need of a full scale renovation, meaning that a lot of capital expenses are being budgeted. We're also underwriting what future rent values are going to be based on improvements, what the cost of each improvement is going to be on different metrics. Some people like to price out on a price per square foot for renovations. Some people like to calculate the cost per rentable square foot. All of those things are important factors to take in, but it all really just depends on your model and your business style. But for the most part, I'd like to just touch a little little bit on renovations themselves, what that entails when you're looking to get plans, permits done, and the type of project or development you're actually looking at doing we can cover a little bit of that in this conversation, but I wanted to go over today's property that we looked at today, which was a 10 unit building in Hollywood, which is due to go under renovations within the next three to four months. So to break that down for you guys, it's 10 units. It's a mixture of a couple of studios. There are a majority one bedrooms and there's, a, there's just one two bedroom in the entire building. Now this building has soft story retrofit compliance permits that are obviously with a five year window to complete the required soft story retrofit. The building is under that, that retrofit ordinance, which means that that needs to be addressed, which will be addressed um, probably within the first 60 to 90 days of actually beginning the renovation of the entire property. Very important, but it's pretty straightforward. The first couple of years where this was actually being enforced, the renovations for a property never underwrote or took into account that have this type of parking where you need to reinforce the structure with moment frame and whatnot. These these are extra costs that have come up, but for obvious and safety reasons, they're very important that they get addressed. So the city of L.A. has given landlords who were notified of having to comply with the order that they have five years from the date that the notice was issued for them to fully retrofit their buildings and obviously have those things approved. But beyond that, what we're looking at is um, typically that's one of the major concerns because it does involve parking and typically the overhang on a property where you can tuck parking underneath, which is why this is all uh, a big deal to begin with, is because, A, you likely have somebody living on the overhang that's above the tucked under parking. B, you have the vehicles that park underneath those spaces. And if anyone who's been in California long enough remembers the 94 Northridge earthquake, there was a huge huge fallout from the damage and devastation that that earthquake actually left in its in its path what happened with a lot of buildings were these tuck under parking buildings that fell or basically pancaked onto the ground because of lack of of stability and and retrofitting or av- obviously the load bearing situation where um, you know a small post holding up a unit or or whatever portion of the building with cars parked underneath it ended up not being the safest measure. And these were typically buildings that were built in the 50s, 60s, 70s, or sometimes even before that. Newer buildings have, have actually, that have been built probably in the last 20, 30 years are actually exempt for the most part from earthquake retrofit because in the city there were a lot of things that had been updated as far as the building codes and whatnot so building and safety the state of california local planners local operators everybody sort of got into this understanding and 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 obviously investigating and studying properties and and learning just about physics itself so many things that are at play here but we're uh, we'll dive a lot deeper into what soft story is we'll definitely talk more about that i think that's an important conversation because it is another inherent cost if you are buying a building that does require soft story retrofitting do you buy the building prior to the retrofit being done do you wait for maybe the current landlord who is subject to compliance to do the work first or obviously, does that become a key point in negotiating? And, and there's different ways to sort of skin the cat, but for now, I think we'll we'll just move forward with that being one of the major um, sticking points, I think, and, and major items that could come up depending on how, many, how much moment frame needs to be installed because typically that construction cost or that or that actual work is priced on a per stall, meaning per parking space type of uh, cost structure which depending on the size of the building again that could be a substantial cost to to a landlord but beyond that if you're looking at a building and you're looking at something that's a little dilapidated something that needs to be updated and whether that be simple exterior and or interior cosmetics or if you have to upgrade systems These are the items that we start taking inventory of and we start looking at roofing, we start looking at windows, we start looking at how efficient or inefficient a building is operating at. Sometimes old buildings with old pipes will use up so much more water. You'll have more plumbing issues, you'll have leaks, you'll have water damage, you'll have things that obviously will create more of a cost just in operating, which eats away at the profits and at your income stream because now you're investing that money back into the property. simply to just keep it flowing at at what you're operating at then. But now you're having all of these expenses come up, which is an inefficient way of running a, a property. So a good thing to keep in mind. But for renovations, uh, I think the two major points of renovations are really A, the planned ownership period that you do have with these properties. Because normally if you're buying a property to renovate and then put in a portfolio, what you want to do is if you're buying something in a value add type of proposition, take a look at the property, take a look at your investment, your initial capital investment, and you sort of create a timeline for what's called a payback period for your capital investment, right? That could be looking at something that's three years or four years or five years in which all of the money that's being that's being put into the property, whether that be just for renovations or displacement or, or whatever items are gonna be, hard costs and soft costs that, that start off the actual journey down the path of this building, you start looking at that and saying, well, if I am able to net this much rent versus what I've spent in upgrades or renovations, or again, things like complying with soft story retrofit, which you can't get around after a few years, so then you start You start worrying about that as a cost. You make an investment in the property and you start to say, okay, well, if I hit these rental numbers, I think I can get my money back and I can start going into a positive territory with the building in terms of income after year three, year four, year five, that's all going to matter. I think that becomes the most important thing to think about when you decide and you figure out internally how that money is being lent to you or how you're sourcing your capital for these properties. So if you're self-funded or if you're an investment group and you know you run on a larger supply of cash, which is definitely a good thing because if you have access to cash and it's costing you very little to use that equity or that capital, then that allows for you to go make these improvements, hopefully um, find a tenant, an occupant that will rent the unit, pay market rate, market rate value for it, or something close to that, or even exceed that. If you, depending on maybe underpricing sometimes works as a sort of a a bidding war type situation, the way it does in single family, where you can advertise an apartment that's probably worth 2,700, you advertise it for 25 people start to think, well, I'm getting a deal. And there's not that, there's not that many units like this in this area. So I'm going to apply. And then you get 10, 20 people that apply and you might end up actually getting a higher rent so it's different ways to position that but that's again that'll be a whole different podcast by itself but again once we get past the idea of how long this property is going to sit in the red before after everything invested when the hope and the plan is to actually start seeing some gains on your investments and return then that's sort of how you want to plan and model your your renovation costs your redevelopment costs whatever you're going to do with that property. Excuse me. Second thing is to look at what happens once you start renovating, because now if you aren't renovating and now you have a loss to lease because you don't have any units that are cash flowing. Now we start to look at that and say, okay, well, I need a budget for three months of no income, four months of no income, whatever the case is, even if the upside is that you're going to have a higher revenue stream because the newer rental values are going to far exceed what you were currently getting in a unit that was prior prior to retrofitting a best case scenario 50 percent below market rate rental unit so we look at that we start figuring out okay well what do we have to do what are the improvements going to look like do we have the ability to maybe send different trades in to do different renovations all in a scale matter where you can say scale these things to be done in uh, let's say a three month period, you get 10 units in the building to turn. And then you all of a sudden now have 10 brand new units essentially to re-rent to the market at a market rate value. Those are the the things that we look at as investors to say, well, I, I have this much time to get this work done. I want to get back in the market by spring, summer, whatever the goal is, start leasing it up, start factoring in what the period for your payback is going to look like and whether or not you're on a higher or lower interest type of debt that will allow for you to improve the building improve the cash flow reduce the expenses and then you can position the renovations to work alongside of that so good things to keep in mind renovation based on the projected term of ownership for the building if you're going to keep that thing forever probably good to spend the money once and very early on if possible meaning that you don't want to try to do a huge capital improvement on a building uh, in baby steps meaning like you don't want to do the roof one year and then the next year you got to go in and change all the plumbing which a repipe on a building like that that's 10 units for example in this case would be a nightmare because You've got to displace people for an extended period of time. You just don't have any running water. You have walls that are exposed, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have to look at other things like what's going to happen beyond that. Am I going to be able to keep the, the tenants that are coming back? Am I going to be able to, to house them temporarily? Or if I'm, the goal is to turn these units into available market rate units, how long is it going to take to lease those units up? Things like that. Then you start to say to yourself, "Okay, well, what's the highest and best use of this unit? Is it just a a one bedroom that whether I add, you know, let's say in unit washer and dryer or if we decide to invest in a central air HVAC system for the entire building or each unit is going to have central air and heating? What does that generate in terms of value? Does that add an extra 5% to the bottom line or 10%, however you look at it. And then that's where you start to do market comparisons with other properties and other units that are available in the market. See what they're offering, see how competitive things are, look at the trends. And if having a washer and dryer is a difference between 18 to 200 or to $2,000 in market rents, well, how much does that washer and dryer cost you per unit? So that math you do the math after 12 months those things are paid for if you if you're able to get those 200 dollars more a month because somebody needs that or wants that as an amenity in their unit then obviously you're positive after that those things are paid for and you look at you look at your numbers that way as well so you gotta you have to look at these things in in variation as to what's going to actually yield the highest return and as far as Adding that to a unit, for example, some people don't like having on site laundry, but have no choice because they would maybe pick a better area with on site laundry rather than find an area that's just outside their comfort zone, but maybe is a more modern unit or or a highly upgraded unit. And those are the trade-offs that come down to a subjective type of taste for that particular tenant. And those are things that you've got to look at. What what does your market attract? What kind of tenant base do you look at? Or your tenant demographic? Are you dealing with people who are on the go? Do you deal with a more laid-back neighborhood? Are you dealing with people who work in the city? Are you in the urban core? Are you maybe in like a more suburban area? those are those are probably the things that you look at obviously weather plays a big role especially here in southern california if you're by the beach i mean you you can almost be guaranteed a a fairly high uh amount of income based on whatever you do to that unit and then you know that adding a washer and dryer probably adds more than five percent to the income for a unit um you know those are all the things that you take into consideration i personally for example if i was to be renting somewhere by the ocean i have necessity for parking that needs to be on site not off site or on street parking i'd prefer to have my car parked at the building inside preferably in a garage so i'm a tenant that's going to require something like that i would prefer on site laundry i would prefer in-unit laundry. I would prefer AC. I would prefer certain things over others, but again, I, I'm just one person. So what is the majority of people in a certain area, say Santa Monica or something like that? What, what do those people look for? What do those people typically go hunting for when they, when they're searching for an apartment or a property to rent? So those are things to keep in mind. Um, you know, then you can dip into once you have that sorted out, you start looking at, okay, well, what's the process? Talk to your contractor. We've looked at everything. We've met, done measurements. We measure the building as it is, measure the units as they are, figure out if we need to reconfigure walls and then move things around if we're going to remove certain things. And then once we say we upgrade all of the plumbing in the building, you do a full repipe of a property, then what? Then, then does that mean that Now you can have a nicer kitchen, which will allow for you to have other amenities inside. And if you have like a dishwasher, things like that, some older buildings don't even have dishwashers. You can add something like that for the convenience. Maybe that allows for you to add in-unit washer dryers because you know that's going to add another $200 a month to your rent, et cetera, et cetera. Start to look at all of that. And then once you and your contractors are on the same page, then that's when the next step is to prepare your plans for submission to the city so that you can get building permits. You can get permits for renovations. You can get permits for all of the things that you're going to be doing to the property. Please, please, please don't try to skimp out on permits. It's not worth it. I highly suggest that you try to stick to everything possible because Just takes one rogue tenant or one tenant in general who's completely unhappy for whatever reason to call the city, put you in a position where you'd either have to start all over or reinvest into the same thing you've already done. Plus, you got to pay permit fees, fines, and then it just turns into a very bad situation. So I'd never, never recommend that you avoid getting permits, especially on an apartment building where you have multiple personalities, multiple tenants. They're all gonna find a way at some point if you are in a bad spot with them, or if you just, the relationship isn't going well, you are in jeopardy of having something like that come back to bite you. So I would say once you're there at the point of permits, then you start obviously making sure that all the plans are in line, your contractor knows what they're doing, you get all of your trades trades lined up, um, you know, if you're going to use a general contractor, that's typically what they handle. And a GC knows how to deal with different tradesmen to get everything done. Uh, if it's a redevelopment or if it's new construction, obviously there's a whole other process to the whole thing because you've got to get permits. You've got to actually go through the city. You've got to get so much more stuff done. And, and again, we'll dive a little bit deeper into what a brand new construction for multifamily looks like because I've done some of those as well um and then that's gonna play out right that that'll that'll take its time it usually takes 30 days 60 90 days depending on how backed up the city is obviously in these times it's hard to say exactly how long things can take but once things are up to normal speeds you got to go through a period of beginning all of the work where they call them um like let's just call them roughs because what, what a rough is when you're doing a rough inspection You'll have a, a city inspector come out, take a look at the current project of, of, of the process where you're at and making sure that you're doing things correctly, right? To code, you make your, you're going to prepare the building for new piping. Therefore you removed all of the old galvanized piping, for example, then, then you're gonna have a rough inspection. The city's gonna come out, take a look and say, okay, tentatively speaking, it looks like you're on the right track. Let's move on. Let's let you get to work. Let's let you finish up all of the repiping then you call the inspector back out and hopefully you get a final approval. Once that permit's signed off and finaled, then obviously that is a a done deal for that trade or whatever it is specifically that you're doing. Then after all that starts to happen, then obviously the cosmetics can go over everything. If you're doing like a full renovation where you're doing plumbing, electrical, heating, gas, whatever you want to call it any of those trades, you, you start to now look at the cosmetics of the unit and whatever other improvements or work you're going to have done in that unit and then the building itself, right? Then at that point, now you start to get with your rental team and your property management team. If you have one, if you're not self-operating, you start to prepare the unit for the market. And then you start to say, okay, cool. We're going to find tenants by marketing this way and this way and that way. And then obviously you let the professionals do their thing there, or if that's part of your job as a as a <clears throat> mom-and-pop type of operator, then you start to look at what's, what's ahead for that that roadmap. But overall, just getting everything ready for renovations, projects where you involve getting permits and then obviously dealing with a contractor who handles whatever scale of work you're looking to get done, the type of building you're working on, and, and all of the things that that falls in line with, those are very important things that you understand the process for. I think in the next few episodes, as we get more and more into this, where I'm gonna bring up other properties, and, and I think the goal is gonna to be to really talk about buildings that I'm dealing with on a daily basis and what stages they're in, whether they're new acquisitions, whether they're properties that have already gone undergone redevelopment, they're leasing up, or they're in the middle of, of any kind of demolition, remodeling, uh, construction, et cetera, et cetera. I think the fact that i can give you guys real world experience on a daily basis hopefully that brings you guys a, a wealth of information and then i would love to open up conversations whether that be via email or whether once this goes live on youtube we're going to have some uh, t- some places where we can put comments and, and and you guys can leave comments i can respond and then we can uh, open this up as a, like as like a community which i'd really like to do in the future so but that's going to be it for a brief touch on actual renovations and multifamily, what that looks like um, briefly again. This is this is by no means the whole thing, but just a small preview based on what I saw today on this one building in particular. So if you guys have any questions, please email me Daniel, D-A-N-I-E-L at Daniel N-I-N-L-A, dot com and I'm happy to answer any of your questions and stay tuned for episode seven. We'll be talking a little bit more. I think we're going to go over tomorrow or the next day. We'll probably be talking about a property that's um, near completion that went through some pretty hectic work. And needless to say, these these are stories that are going to come up about stuff that's happening in in my everyday world. So I'm going to share a little bit more about that. So stay tuned for that. And again, I look forward to answering questions via email and I'll talk to you guys on the next one. Thanks.